<laughs> well, I'm going to get, oh, there it is, my other, uh, my other microphone here just momentarily, but when? I'm going to talk about first who we represent, who I represent, and if indeed I were a fully sponsored fly motocross professional racer, everything I would be wearing would say fly, right? That's not what you see, is it? So the first time that I ended up on the podium, and I am using my wild imagination, like first, second, or third, to be up on the podium to be receiving not only the big trophy, but the big cash reward that came with it, I would then have to report to whoever Mr. Fly is. And he would say, what are you doing with O'Neill goggles? I would say, oh, man, I didn't realize that that was going to make a difference. The next thing he would say is, what are you doing with an O'Neill helmet on? You're supposed to be representing me. I would say, I didn't know that that really would make that much of a difference if I just wore an O'Neill helmet because what I have really close to me is fly and fly. My pants are fly, my jerseys fly. That's what I hold nearest and dearest, so does that not count for something? But what everybody sees most loudly is a service for chest protector. Crazy wild yellow AKO. I mean, that's not yellow, it's pink. Can't see very well through this. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be hearing, man, that has to go. That has to go. Because you represent me. You represent me. So I have to be reflected in everything that you do when it has to do with racing. Okay? This all makes sense? Yeah, okay. Well, it's definitely time to take this helmet off then. <laughs> My dear, you got that comb? <laughs> Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a second and, and slip this on. Will you give me that grace? All right. Hey. I'm at, I'm at inside. <laughs> I'm in inside my uh, inside my hair. This uh, this shield thing, yeah, down on the inside. Because I'm gonna be taking this off. Okay, then I'll lift my shirt. Matthew, <laughs> thank you. I think. Am I turned on? Push button. You green? We're green. All right. What are you doing now? <laughs> just, just, just. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Now we're going to we're going to be bouncing back and forth between my crazy imagination, imagining myself as a pro motocrosser, fully sponsored, and what it really means, because we're going to get into Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 here, just, just pretty quick, but, but the first thing I want to talk about is the importance of the helmet. It's like... 
the helmet of salvation. We're going to jump into this as, as I read the scripture and then talk about the helmet of salvation as we get into Ephesians. If you want to get a head start, Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 is where we're going to go, but the protection of the helmet of salvation. Uh, and, and what that means, what that means to me, and as I pondered and meditated on the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation, I think you realize that we have four of our five senses in about an eight-inch circle right here. So, and all of our senses, even our touch, is processed through this like six-inch by four-and-a-half-inch brain thing that's encapsulated in this skull. So how valuable and important it is that we protect our head, our brain, our thoughts. And I was just, I was processing this as I was thinking about this message and, and what the helmet of salvation, which is knowing and understanding for one thing what salvation is. How many know, understand, and realize that salvation is a gift? Again, salvation is a gift. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it other than just believing on Jesus Christ. Salvation is a gift. So we need to realize and understand what that gift really means to us in order for us to be able to walk out what we're called to do. What, what He has for us. First, to understand that, that helmet of salvation and walk in it. It's like I was just thinking that the first 20 years of my Christian walk, which is coming up on 51 years since I became a... Yeah. I was thinking about the first 20 first 20 plus years of that, I always thought, I think I'm saved, I think I'm saved, I think I'm saved, I think I'm saved, but God, please give me a minute or two before I die, if it's in a car crash or if I fall out of an airplane, out of the sky in an airplane, give me a minute or two to make sure to ask forgiveness for just a few of those things that might be held against me because I'm just not 100% positive. How many know what I'm talking about and can relate to what I'm talking about? Over 20 years of uncertainty, not knowing, not being confirmed in my identity in Jesus Christ, thinking, I think I'm doing good enough. I think I'm doing good enough. I hope I'm doing good enough. God, just give me a little grace in a few minutes. <laughs> knowing and understanding, it is a gift that we have been given. We get to walk in the grace of our salvation. Okay? Now, let's jump into the... and Oh, no. I want to talk a little more about, about the helmet and the protection of the helmet. I, uh, this helmet is probably about 20 years old or so. Something that I've had around for a while. And... Uh, I was taking a friend of mine who has not ridden in this area very much, rode several years ago uh, in a whole different kind of environment, terrain and all, and so I took him riding. And to go riding, I was just thinking, you know, I'm not going to be going fast, I'm not going to be challenged. My skill level is such that I don't really need to worry much about it. I don't need all this gear for this ride. In fact, I probably could communicate better with him in trying to give him some instruction and, and terrain, you know, here you do this, here you do this, if I didn't have on a helmet at all. Yeah, bad idea. My wife, is, this is one of those things, she say, don't leave home without it. She, she, if she has anything to say about it, if I get on a road bike, a dirt bike, or a side-by-side, -side, you should be wearing the helmet. So, yes, yes, yes. So this particular ride, I just want to share this just for a moment, just... Dig into it just a little bit. This particular time we went out, we were, we were playing around Pickle Butte, the landfill out there. And finally, I said, okay, I couldn't take it. I needed a challenge, one challenge for myself. And I looked at a hill. It's like, oh, man, I haven't done this for years. Finally, my son was killed on a dirt bike. And um, so we quit. I quit for 10 years probably. And just started back up again this year. 
so. But I'm looking, and there's some things that never change. Like, oh, I think I should try to climb that hill right there. I need a little challenge. I need a little thrill. So I did. On one side, as you got very near the top, I got a good run at it and hit kind of a slick spot. And one side is sandy where it's dug into the, to a hill like, like water is created. And the other side is just rock, some sharp stick-out rock stuff, a little shale. And I got up past all that and just didn't have quite enough momentum as I navigated through that, trying to get up the rest of the way. It's like, oh, I'm stuck. It's steep. I'm stuck. So I decided on that bike, all I need to do is back the back wheel up a little bit, start moving the front wheel around so it heads downhill. And I know I'm very comfortable downhill if I can just get that front wheel pointed straight down the hill. So I'm working at getting it to that. And as I was working to get it there, hit a really slick spot. The front wheel just whew, slipped. Bike tipped over on the, on the uphill leg and just flung me right into that rock face. Just and, and it's laying and so am I. And it's on me, on my leg. I'm just like, oh, oh. Ron was sitting down below. Do you need help? <laughs> uh, you can't get here anyway. So it's like, Ugh. and the worst thing was, this is what happens, I guess, when you're, when you're 69. I ended up having a cramp in the back of my leg while pinned under this, and that was the worst part of the whole thing. It's like, oh, oh, get off, get off, get off. Well, finally got the thing off, got it pointed down, and, and, and by not wearing my gloves, thank God wearing the helmet, ended up digging a hole that has a nice scar right there, right into the white stuff. As my hand went down that rock face, but my helmet has dings and scratches that it never had before. It looks like somebody shot it with a shotgun where I just went, Shoo! if I had not been wearing a helmet, I might still be in the hospital. Uh, because I was slammed so hard into that. It's like, you know what? Armor protection is incredibly important. Now, when we switch over to the spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm, men and women of God, if we don't get up first thing in the morning and put our armor on for the day, and put our armor on for the day, we can end up encountering situations in something that seems like it would be so mundane and so simple, like I just did the other day on that thing where I could have been... I, my son was a complete freak accident, was probably doing 20 miles an hour and was killed. I was slammed into a rock face, could have been too. You know, it's, who knows? We, we need to be prepared. We need to put on the full armor every day before we go out so we're spiritually ready and prepared. So let's turn to Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6, 10 through 7. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the nasties of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Take, therefore, up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Everybody say stand. Because we're going to stand strong. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with you, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now when I think of the shield of faith, I'm going to throw another wrinkle here. When I think of the shield of faith, I don't think that that's something that... (laughs) Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So the shield of faith, I see almost like as a, uh, a, an invisible barrier shield around me that nobody can see but the enemy. Make sense? Like a force field around me. A force field around me. Taking the shield of faith with you because I have on the helmet of salvation and a knowing and an understanding of my relationship of who I am in Him and who He is in me, I have a shield of faith. Does this make sense? Okay. That way you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I don't know how many, as I've <clears throat> thought about and, and even watched, you know, powerful men and women of God who went out unprepared, and sometimes it's several days unprepared without taking on the shield, without fully armoring up and finding themselves having fallen. And you think, how many? It, all of us can think of a handful, can't we? It's like, and what happened? What happened? It's like, man, they weren't armoring up. They would start their day without being armored up. I think it's so important. So, so, so important. We armor up every day. Are you with me? And everybody say, every day. day. Armor up. up. Amen. Was there an echo? Now, last week, I was talking about the... Yeah, I thought I would do a little bit more of an illustrated example here. Last week I was talking about the living water, the backpack, where we can just have instant access all the time to that Holy Spirit, where we can, we can just tap right into living water. He says, those who drink of this water will never thirst again. It's living water. It'll bubble up within you. And, and we, I had the backpack that you could just strap onto this clip onto this, run through there, run up into your helmet, and you can just be tapping into that water. I'm going to say taking a swig, a swig, anytime you want, taking a little, little, little suction, and well, you, the water just, just flows. And that's what, that's what Holy Spirit is to us, for us, and through us. We have Holy Spirit living in us, and last week I talked about Thank you. Yes. And I thought something sounded different. Now, thank you, Matthew. Tell me where I was. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit working in us, through us, uh, for us. And when the Holy Spirit that we have on us, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, induces us with power from on high, it is then for others. So we can be, He uses us to empower us so that we can end up being the blessing and the power in others' lives. So, in us is for us, on us is for you. I want to just, when we have a tight, tight, when, when, when we really begin to grow, when Jesus, when we become more and more and more like Jesus because we give Him more and more and more of us, 
We don't get any more, any more of Him. He's given us that download, and we've got all that we're going to get of Him. We just have to give Him more and more and more of us so that He can grow in us. Right? This makes sense? Okay. So as we give Him more and more and we grow in the relationship, and as Rick and Lisa, it's so good to see you guys back again. Uh, yeah, Rick preached those two messages in a row on Holy Spirit that was just like incredible, powerful, educational, just informational, so good. I, I, let's give him a big hand for that. I so appreciate that. I'm going to share kind of a crazy example, stretch your, <laughs> stretch your mind here just a little bit again of how, how that relationship with Holy Spirit, because He cares about every detail in our lives, and when we get closer and closer with Him, sometimes paying attention to the details, in the details we will hear things that will certainly benefit us if we're paying attention. Christy, pay attention. <laughs> Alan, knock it off. Kids, uh, paying attention to the details. Now, I was driving to church last week, and, man, try as I might, my mind wanders, I get there, and I, I need to be there and stuff, and I will find myself, oh, probably more often than not, intentionally speeding a little bit, if I'm going to be completely honest. So, I, I, I was speeding a little bit to, to get here, not because I was late, just, I guess I like to drive fast, but, so I was speeding, coming down whatever that one is over there, and uh, I just had a, a thought just came into my head, it's like, man, I haven't seen a cop on this street for a long time, <laughs> which then caused me to look at my speedometer, it's like, oh, man. I'm doing close to 40 and a 25. I should slow it down just a little bit. So I let off, slowed down a little bit. I may have even just, just touched the brake. And I didn't end up going, but a few blocks around the corner, a cop came around the corner coming the other direction. It's like... <laughs> like paying attention to the details. He really does. Now, he does not necessarily, I would not say that he necessarily condones speeding. Maybe this was a lesson that he's teaching me, but whatever it was, I had that thought, that fleeting thought that I pay attention to, looked at my speedometer, slowed down, and it saved me a good-sized ticket. Is this not him caring for me? Does he not care for you the same way? If you're close to him and if he's a friend of yours and you're paying attention, man, he will teach you. He will show you. He will save you. He will comfort you by not getting another ticket. And you know, since the development, this, this close development of this relationship, I don't even know how long it's been since I've had a ticket. Uh, and not because I pay really close attention to the speedometer. Okay. I told you some of you would probably be stretched by this. Ambassador. Ambassador. It's like 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are appointed ambassadors. We are hands and feet of God. Of, we're Jesus' hands and feet. He's sending us out to minister, to bring reconciliation from the people to God. We're called to be ambassadors of re reconciliation meaning that we are representing, fully representing Him, right? That's what an ambassador is, right? We're sent to represent Him. Am I not either that or it's way too simple, huh? 
sent to be ambassadors. So, again, when Jesus is taking up more and more and more space in us, when we're being conformed into His image, we are so much more readily recognized as His ambassadors when we act like Him. Make sense now? Okay. All right, we're called to be ambassadors, meaning that we need to look like, we need to smell like Jesus. So, I can't be wearing something. I mean, if I get to be a a fly racer, I cannot be wearing a Serbi's chest protector, right? See, because Holy Spirit starts this, this whole journey with Holy Spirit, He will start showing us things that we need to change. Like, you know what? Here's a little something you need to change, son. You need to pull that thing off so they, you don't look like something from the other side. <laughs> now, we know that you know, like two's company, three's a crowd. It's so funny when there's like three friends, three girls, three guys, but it seems like girls are worse. But, uh, well, I had two boys, I had two girls. It just seemed like it happened more with girls that when there's three of them, two of them kind of connect, and the third one feels like, oh man. This thing is a competition, and so one attacks, and it's just like, oh, brother, stop it, stop it. But see, we have an enemy that doesn't like our relationship with Holy Spirit at all. And he's going to do anything and everything he can to distract us from that relationship or try to pull us away so we will in some way be wouldn't necessarily say be friends with him, but be able to be manipulated, be able to be obedient, even to be used by him in, in, any, in, in any form. And people will see that. Oh, it's like that's from the opposition right there. That's the other side. Right? This making sense? Well, good. I can take it off then. I can get it. I've done this once or twice. I just forgot. Uh Uh-oh. Thanks. There's those little clip things, and they work, but that's, you know, I got to get rid of that. That's not fly, right? So now I'm looking a lot more fly. Yeah, he will show us things as we, as we continue to walk with Holy Spirit. You know, you need to shed this. You need to shed this. This doesn't look right on you. This makes sense? This just doesn't look right on you. You're representing me. This doesn't look right on you. You need to get rid of that. You need to get rid of that. And I've got to show you something really cool in my magic box here. Merry Christmas to me. See these gloves? These gloves and these goggles that I was that I was wearing. And these gloves. If I would have been wearing even these gloves, see the padding on there? See the scar on there? I wouldn't have had that. We put on the full armor of God. It will help in so many ways. And when he shows us and starts bringing change in our lives, that so you need to shed that, you need to get, get rid of this. I, I have a whole nother, another brand, Thor. I mean, these things actually, when you don't want to fall down, but you fall down anyway, man, that helps when you end up sliding on your knees or... But this does not represent fly, so got to go. Come on. 
I'm a fly racer, right? Well, don't you forget it, Lynn. Matthew? <laughs> no, I was kidding, but <laughs> it wasn't that hard to put on. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Got a knife? <laughs> there. That wasn't so hard. Man, am I glad you're sitting on that front row. We're doing this. Now, the, here's two things that, that sometimes there's something that we need to shed. Sometimes there's something that we absolutely need to change. And when I talk about, you know, the, the helmet of salvation and understanding the helmet, I step up to an upgraded helmet. Woo! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just put it on right there because I got this mic and I don't want to have to have Matthew up here again. So this, think, you know, my other one, kind of a little more, it, it fit, it worked, it saved my head, but with an upgrade, I, done, I did a little bit of research and this is the safest helmet in the world. Now, if this is where, then I should have the absolute best protection that I possibly could, right? And I think that's the same for all of us. And it's understanding, again, understanding our salvation and protecting it to the best of our ability. Now, I think, you know, when I first looked at this, like, wow, that is bold. That is... Loud, proud, bold, which led me to this next scripture, Acts 14, 16 through 31. I'm not going to read all of that. I'm just going to tell you about it, that when the apostles had done some incredible miracles in Acts, they got in trouble. They got called up. They got into trouble. They said, don't you use the name of Jesus anymore. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't do these miracles in his name. Stop it, and we're going to let you go. Well, they said, are you kidding? Is it more important that we mind you or that we mind God? Said, Obviously, they're going to mind God. So they went back. They shared what had happened. They all talked about it. And the way they prayed, what shall we do? Now, I'm just going to tell you, this is not... Uh, they said... Lord Jesus, Lord, give us more boldness so we can go out and more boldly preach the gospel in your name. So I'll say, hey, let's, I'll represent fly boldly here. Huh? Not nearly as important as how, if I were the pro writer, but not nearly as important as how I, as ambassador of Jesus Christ, am willing to go boldly out there and portray Jesus to the multitudes in my workplace, in your school, in Dutch Bros. It's my boldness helmet. Luke 12, 8 through 9. Also, I say to you, whoever confesses me, this is Jesus speaking, also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. He who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Like how important it is as his representatives, as his ambassadors, that we are quick to boldly recognize Him before others. That we glorify Him. That we give Him the credit. That we let people know, I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. He is my hope. He is my healer. He is my friend. 
Again, understanding who we represent. How powerful, how important, how poignant it is the way that we act about him when we're around and in front of other people. Romans 12, 1 and 2. In fact, I think I'm going to have plenty of time. I'm going to read Romans 12, 1 through 9. Romans 12, 1 through 9. And then we'll talk about this some. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, when I think about presenting my body as a living sacrifice, it's like I give you more, 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 Jesus, more of you, more of me, more of less of me and more of you. I want to give myself to you so that you can grow in me, so that you can bring me, mold me, conform me into the perfect man and the full stature of Jesus Christ. So, that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable, acceptable and a reasonable service. And, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. As we're being conformed into the image, I shared this last week, Romans 8, 28 through 30, where it talks about who those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. He knew you. He called you. He pursued you. He brought you to this place where you are right now so he could continue to work on you to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. Isn't that pretty awesome to, to you know to just to, to think about that he pursued you. He drew you in. He called you in. He chose you. And he, once you believed in him, this is something that I think is, is so cool when you read it. God's, it says God gives you a measure of faith, enough faith for you to believe in him. And then when you have enough faith to believe in him, then you end up making that choice to believe in him. He just starts drawing you in. Closer and closer and closer and closer. As close as you will get, as much space as you will give him, as much of you as you're willing to give, he will take. And conform you into his image if you're willing. I think that was good right there. I, th I think that, yeah, that, that one made sense. One and two, three. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, everybody say we, being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace, the unmerited favor on your life. Having gifts differing according to the unmerited favor that's given to us, let us use them. Hmm. How many of you have a gift that you know of a gift that you have? How many are using it? Hey, that's almost as a, If it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it 
in our ministering. See, that's why I said Holy Spirit on us, baptized in the Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit is for others. Let us use that gift to minister in our ministering. He who teaches, use it in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives, give with liberality. He who leads, leads with diligence. He who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. I'm going to show you the next thing. There's a point and a time when he says, you know, that's, that's, that's the wrong brand. You're looking at things through the wrong lens. I think that that's something that was such a huge, huge change for me is Jesus wants us to see others through His eyes. Not judgmental, but through His eyes. Where we're loving, we're supporting, we're encouraging, we're edifying. He says, I want you to put on some new goggles. So I got me some fly goggles. Now that's a whole different look than what I had before. And it even looks different from the outside, doesn't it? I think that God's speaking to us. You know, we are to be looking at one another, loving one another, encouraging one another, building one another up, digging the gold out, pulling the gold out. Okay, moving on. Going to go to... We're going to go to Romans 13. Verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit murder, you shall, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, <laughs> this one commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this knowing the time that now it's high time to awake out of sleep. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. You know, there's a whole lot of what we've slept through for our country to get where it is today. You know, we definitely need a wake up. We definitely need a wake up. And I, I, here's something else I want to throw in. There's a gentleman named Sean Smith that I heard preach probably 10 years ago. And he, he said something. He was talking about, talking about vaccines several years ago. And he, he said, unfortunately, when people come to church, most of the time what happens, it is much like receiving a vaccine. Like, well, what, what does that mean? He says, you get just enough of it that you never actually catch what it is. <laughs> you will never catch what it is because you have received the inoculation. When the church experience is like the inoculation or the vaccine that gives you just enough that you experience even maybe the symptoms, but you never actually get it. Like, oh, whoa, then we haven't been very good as ambassadors. If people show up at church and it's just like a vaccine, a vaccine that actually works.
So we, we, we want to be the real thing. Not, not the vaccine, not the little bit. We want to be people to get the whole dose of the real deal. The night is far spent. Oh, verse 11. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Then on to 11, do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light. And who is our light? Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Now the four things that Paul says right here. Let us walk properly as in the day, as in the light, not in revelry. Everybody know what revelry means? I thought I knew what it meant. It means lively Noisy, loud, partying, sometimes rebellious, involving typically a great deal of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, look it up. There are several definitions for, for it, but that pretty much summarized the majority of those revelry. Loud, lively, noisy, partying, sometimes rebellious, typically involving a great deal of alcohol. Revelry. What's the next one? Drunkenness. Hmm. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and in drunkenness. I don't even have to explain drunkenness, do I? No, we pretty much all know what that's about. Not in licentiousness. That's even almost hard to say, but you know what licentiousness is? I'm so glad I looked this up. Promiscuous and unprincipled in sexual matters. <laughs> Promiscuous and unprincipled in sexual matters. Okay, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in licentiousness and lewdness. Everybody knows what lewd is. John knows what lewd is. I recognize that voice. Not in lewdness. Lewdness. Lewdness is indecent or offensive sexual conduct. It's kind of interesting that his, he's talking about as we enter the dark times, as, as the time, you know, step into the light, step into the light, away from lewdness, away from licentiousness, away from revelry away from drunkenness and into the light. But not strife, not envy. So those are the last two things that he throws in there. Not revelry, not drunkenness, not licentiousness, not lewdness, not strife or envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the rest of our armor? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. That's good stuff right there, isn't it? Getting kind of quiet in here now. But... Let's stand together. last thing see I'm a, I'm a pro racer I, I, even my gloves represent fly now huh? fly I got fly, fly gloves now these are way 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 easier I don't feel like OJ Simpson after I just said that it's like, it's like just getting ready to say it way easier than those other ones and 
They're way cooler. They're way, way, way lighter. They have, they still have all of the protection, just lighter, more flexible, easier to use. I think what, when I think about the gloves, it's like, as we represent him with our hands, with our feet, we need to be really careful about what we put our hands to and what we get our hands into. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're such a good, good, loving God that you saved us, that we know and we can understand (laughs) that we can sit under that helmet of protective helmet of salvation. That you, Father, have given us everything that we need and every opportunity to be successful in kingdom living. We thank you, Father, for your word, for the sword, for the sword of your word. I thank you for every promise in that word. And I thank you for sending that promised Holy Spirit that will empower each and every one of us, not only to fulfill the gifting that we have been given, but to walk out all that you've called us to do. But so, so, so important is I just thank you for that person of the Holy Spirit that becomes such a close and personal friend when we allow it, when we develop, and when we create that relationship. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us every opportunity to give ourselves more and more and more to you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We thank you for that promise and that reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, may God richly, richly bless each and every one of you. As As the prayer team comes up here, if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. So you can put on that helmet. If you have and you just need a prayer for anything, we've got an amazing prayer team up here that's ready to partner with you, partner with Holy Spirit to see you get your reward today. God bless you.